HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Cart Driver, Denver's home for wood-fired pizzas, fresh oysters, seasonal market plates, cocktails, and conversation. This week on Meet and 3, meet four of our HRN Hall of Fame inductees. These prolific individuals are writers who have changed the way we talk about food. We'll take a look at the journeys that shaped their literary voices. I was heading off into the unknown to spend my junior year of college in Paris. We'll explore the culinary landscape they work within. You know, it was that whole self-made American idea that you, you can just kind of create a new world from scratch, including a new way of eating. And look at the transformative effect that their work has on what we eat and where it comes from. It gets down to management deciding that humane handling is important. You've got to have management that cares. And if management doesn't care, then you're going to have a bunch of bad stuff. You can learn more about HRN's 10th Anniversary Hall of Fame at heritageradionetwork.org slash hall of fame. And don't forget to subscribe to Meet and 3 wherever you listen to podcasts. That's M-E-A-T plus sign T-H-R-E-E. All right, everybody, welcome to the show Life's a Banquet, the show that's edible, spreadable, and Zara horrible. Starring your hosts, me, Brent and Scott, and me, Zara Tangora. A show about chocolate and wine and bread, champagne and scandal and crackers in bed. I'm drunk! <laughs> Always. Life's a banquet, life's a banquet, life's a banquet, life's a banquet! One another? Consider it done. Welcome to Life's a Banquet, the podcast about the highs and lows of all things edible, spreadable, and pourable with your hosts, Artangor and... Brett and Scott. And can I just say something? No. I'm going to complain. Please. Because I don't believe in doing it. Go for it. I rode roller coasters yesterday. Uh Uh-huh. I went to Six Flags, Great Adventure in New Jersey. Okay. Our sponsor sponsor for this show. Yeah, sponsor for the show. Thank you very much. (laughs) I paid you to get sick, and, well, you're paying us back. So it's a symbiotic relationship. So I thought it was fine. I rode the tallest and fastest roller coaster in the world right now. Oh, my God. Actually, now it's the second tallest, but it's still the fastest. Okay. I thought something was wrong. Like, I don't think humans are supposed to travel at this speed unless you're trained like a jet fighter pilot, and you go through like you know that simulation machine they have where it spins you around, mm-hmm. and they're like, "Come on, yes, <laughs> come on, Agent Four Thirty Seven, come on, you can do this." 
<laughs> Do you want to be a pilot? Wow, you're really whipping back. When you first well, came so, in here, I know. I was like, I'm sick. I'm sick. Like, I don't I was feel like, good. And then I was like, oh my god. No, I really actually feel horrendous, uh, hor- hor- horrendously yeah. dizzy. You look kind of. But I will say, I'm just going to start talking about myself. Please so uh, I just we decided after to uh, we had a really wonderful dining experience. Oh, what happened? Wait a minute, you we got had, sick on a roller coaster, then you went to eat. So I had a horrible headache. Okay, like bad, bad headache. Well, hangy hangover. No, no, from like getting her head bashed. Oh, after, from the roller coasters. It. Like it was the weirdest sure. thing. I was like, oh, you yeah. know, you go on these roller coasters, your head's banging. I'm like, well, I am in my forties. Like uh-huh. I noticed too, like nobody was older than. Nobody was older than 30 except for parents. And then right. they were often kind of in the silence. I saw a couple old people on the roller coasters. But in general, <laughs> I was like, this is weird. I'm the oldest person on the road. I'm like a dad. Like yeah. A dad with no kids. And then like a kid walked up to you that looked exactly like you wearing your same outfit. And he's like, hey, um, are you my dad? It was just like a long lost child. Yeah. I had fun. To, you know, I, I country line danced with Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck. That was fun. <laughs> Uh, so where'd you go to eat afterwards? We went to this place called Star Tavern in New Jersey. Okay. So Star Tavern, I just I found it through a Google search. I was I wanted I was looking for for good pizza places, mm-hmm. and then I thought, oh, that's right. I wonder if New Jersey has any bar pies. You know, I love a bar pie. I know we were talking about bar pies. Oh and I was yeah. Like, oh, and then suddenly something came up, and it said Best Buy, one of the best bar pies ever. Was and it it's true? Called the Star Tavern. You know it. Was I had a little thing about it, and that was just my own personal thing. It could have been just a touch crispier. crispier. Listen, let's back it up for a second, though. Can you explain to our listeners what the hell is a bar pie? Anyway? Okay, so there's a pizza pie, there's a pizza pie, and then there's a frozen pizza, and then there's a bar pie, and a pizza roll, and a pizza, and there's a totino. So okay. we've got four categories here, right? So a bar pie is typically, I would describe somebody that didn't have it before as closer to like a tombstone frozen pizza like a thin one a thin crust it's very thin there's not a little there's not a lot of crust on the outside yeah. uh they generally seem to have a little bit of like more of like a greasy kind of cheaper cheese mm-hmm. would you say it's almost like a pizza snack yeah yeah i mean it's a it's a pizza i guess you know you slice it like that anyway so it is uh bar pie and we sat next to uh, some characters our bartender was the best in the world. She was, well, first, we got a curmudgeon bartender. Okay. And then the ne- woman next to me, she's like, oh, he's such a curmudgeon. She's like, I hope you got the other woman. And so we did, and it was just really a wonderful experience. She was had the best service ever Amazing. at the bar, and we sat down. I mean, it was so good that the fried calamant was it was the it was the, was the best I've ever had. Really? Mm-hmm. Except for like an Asian style, but that's different. Uh-huh. So, they're at Little Star Tavern. They that's had one thousand eight hundred Google reviews, which that's I, a lot. That's of a reviews. lot for that's even for New York. A very many. It's more than the Spotted Pig used to have. Oh, oh, sorry. Let's not talk about the Spotted Pig. Somebody now. asked me the other day if they said, "God, I wish we could go to the Spotted Pig." I was like, "I mean, not like I don't want to go, but like I wish we had that place still." Like, I know. I that, know. That's uh, and then she goes, "Do you lost. think people still go there?" I said, "I don't know. I want to do like an it's, undercover, right? We'll wear a funny nose and glasses, or <laughs> yeah, do one yeah. of these. If you can't see, and obviously you can't because this is a podcast. Uh, <laughs> I right now I'm doing like the upside you, down fingers, upside down finger glasses, which is a great disguise. I'm going to do the rest of the podcast." like this um so okay, let me so t- anyway you want to hear Barbara. a little bit about what happened with me this week yes, i had no, a mishap ahead. i had a mishap yesterday i okay. don't know what happened yes I do. oh my own so i make a bunch i i don't 
cater anymore because I have a full-time job, but I had a client who I worked with for a while who asked a favor. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, can you do some catering? I said, you know what? Yeah, yeah, why, sure. the like, why, why the fuck Extra not? Extra money. It's exactly. August. Stuff's in season. Sure. So uh, I made a couple of lasagnas. Okay. Uh, I made a beautiful big antipasto, a couple of trays of blueberry salad, a tomato salad, a bunch of really lovely things. I spent a lot of time on it, doing everything just yeah, right. yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Leaving the house okay. and I'm looking at the address and I notice I made it all a week early. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. And I have no room in my fridge because I also have like a ton of other, you know me, during the summertime I go to the farmer's market and buy a ton of vegetables and have yes, zero yes, people. Yes, yes. So I end up freezing everything because I cook things and then I realize I'm terribly alone and uh anyway so i was like oh shit what do i do with this food so i just ran over a lasagna to a friend who was like had band practice and then um i brought some stuff to frankie's and some gave some stuff to my cousin because i was like i don't even have any room for this in my fridge but i was so upset with myself that i started crying and then hysterically like maniacally laughing at the same time (laughs) and you were outside (laughs) i was like (laughs) it was an emotional roller coaster that's how many people were you cooking for? Uh, I think it was like fifteen. It was like a fair, enough, enough, enough yeah, yeah, yeah. to where it was like you were like what a just, real bummer that that happened. Yeah, it's like full day of work. Well, now I have to make it again, so I don't even cater. I just why did didn't it you just freeze the lasagnas? Because I had they just I wasn't gonna work. Oh okay. Yeah right. yeah. What wasn't gonna hold on? What wasn't gonna work? Well, I made them and froze them to begin with. And then, and then you t- yeah got it okay so, so client if you're listening yeah. Zara's making you a fresh lasagna it still is fresh I it froze is fresh. it earlier this week it's exactly the same I've frozen and unfrozen stuff like that like lasagnas you can get away with totally there's nothing unsafe about it it's, it's more of a texture thing oh yeah but lasagna can handle it lasagna can 100% handle it and if you don't the only thing with a lasagna but if you don't like it then get the, get the if you put uh if you put a lasagna in the freezer for like a long time like I don't think it's one of those things that you want to put in the freezer for like two or three months okay yeah, yeah i yeah. think you can free those i think that actually ends up like damaging the integrity of it and don't ask me why i don't really know why it's worse for lasagna than other things maybe it's something about freezing sauce with mm-hmm. them but you can definitely freeze it if you freeze it for like a week or two it's fine yeah but like you know some things can sit in your freezer for like i don't know four or five years well it depends too i mean there's our home freezers have a defrost thaw cycle right or whatever so it it actually breaks down the food quicker than just say a oh, chest freezer. Right? Is Remember? this is this episode getting very boring? You think? <laughs> yeah. People are like, uh, well, anyway, I did make some really. I made my favorite recipe on Saturday, what? which was the waffles. My Ooh. overnight Marianne Cunningham. Marianne Cunningham. Actually, it's Fanny Farmer. Uh, overnight yeasted waffles. It's super simple. You take a couple cups of flour, take two cups of milk, uh-huh. half a cup of water, two teaspoons of yeast, a couple tablespoons of sugar. Okay. You mix it together. Sure. Let it sit overnight. You do the You're like, boogie. oh my God, milk overnight? Yes, folks. It's yeah, okay. Leave it's it called out. Sour, it's, called, it's called soured milk. The next day, you whip two eggs, quarter <laughs> teaspoon of baking soda. No problem. You're like, this is not going to be good. Mm-hmm. Seems kind of loose. Seems kind of light. Don't forget the salt. And then you you put it in your waffle iron. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're if you stoke up the fire, yeah, you put it in the waffle iron, and they are the they are ethereal, ethereal Yum. light waffles, blueberries, fresh blueberries in the market. Uh, is there anything better than a blueberry waffle? Uh, I maybe there a blueberry be. pancake. Yeah, I yeah, like yeah. better. Really, you like a pancake better? I don't know. I don't really eat either of them. To be completely honest, what else is at the market this week? Bretonian. Uh, red, anything red? Oh, it is skin. that time of year, isn't it? Juicy, folks. What can what can you put on pizza? Put on a hamburger. 
Your president looks like one. <laughs> your balls look like <laughs> one. And you can also eat it raw. Yes. What? What is it's it? It's a newspaper. No, um, it's, <laughs> it's a tomato. It's a tomato. Uh, uh, tomato. Why would you say tomato? Well, I say tomato, That's... and you say tomato. Who actually fucking says tomato? Show me a person that says tomato, and Nigella I'll show Lawson. them the front Nigella door. Lawson. Does she really? Oh, oh a, British uh, people. Uh, yes, all of a tomato. Tomato. Air them tomato. Get tomato. the yeah. hell out of here. Stephen, my friend, says tomato as well. He's also British, and it really upsets me. Well, folks, when you think about a tomato, there are a lot of... I mean, first of all, it's a huge subject. I think there's an entire library and city devoted to, to tomatoes. Yeah, there's a lot of yeah, yeah. things. And there's a do. country devoted to tomatoes. Which one? I don't know. Italy? <laughs> <laughs> so, quick history of tomatoes. Uh, we all know that they don't come from Italy, or maybe you don't know and you're embarrassed right now, but it's okay because you have your earpods in and nobody knows that you've just heard this. You've admitted <laughs> to yourself you're not at a dinner party. Uh, they originate from South America, Central America, <gasps> Aztecs, maybe Mexican, early Mexican uh, mm-hmm. cuisine, but specifically Aztecs. In sure. fact, that's kind of what the word tomato originated from. Brought over uh, by the Spanish, the conquistadores, of course. Mm, They're like, oh, let's go to this lovely land and find these people and just conquer them. Yeah. Because we want it. We want what they want. Whatever. It was brutal back then. That was around the year 15. Back then. Now everything is so much better. (laughs) The world is peaceful. Everything's cool. Thank God we all figured it out. Oh, it's so calm and nice. I love waking up in the morning. I'm just like, stretch. There's a polar bear in my backyard. That Lexapro just soothes (laughs) everything. Uh, but 1520, so they bring it back to Spain, right? This tomato plant. I'm sorry. We're talking about tomatoes. And they just start growing it, and it takes off, and they start spreading around the rest of Europe. Of course, Italy discovers that they're like, oh, my gosh, like you're not going to believe this. Um, and I read that actually peasants didn't like it in the beginning, because, or which was pretty much everybody except for royalty, because it wasn't a very filling food. Mm. And it was actually, it took a little bit, it took a while to produce a tomato. Oh, yeah. And I think back then they weren't, you know, we weren't splicing and I wouldn't say genetically modified. They just weren't as cultivatable well, as they are also, now. Also, didn't they think they were poisonous? Yeah, they exactly. People thought they were from the nightshade family. They are from well, the nightshade they, yeah, family. Yeah, yeah, they are. They are. You know what? I, I want to quickly interject with a fun fact about tomatoes. Objection, Your Honor. Yes. That some people were in America once tomatoes got like reintroduced to America in like mm-hmm. the 1600s. And also when they were brought over to Great Britain, people were getting sick from them because they were putting them on like lead plates and something about the acidity in the pewter, tomato. Pewter. Pewter, pewter yeah. plates. Yeah, yeah, And it was making people sick and Be- poisoned. Because it was They were getting lead poisoning. Yeah, they were yeah. interacting with the thing. Yeah. Don't blame it on the tomato. People say that tomatoes, you know, there's that there's that fancy diet called the FODMAP diet, which is oh, yeah. fully oleodiglycerides, whatever, or something like that. Mm, uh, anyway, yes. you're not supposed to eat a lot of nut, sh- nut-, nut shades, nightshades. Yeah. I don't know why. I mean, they seem to make me feel pretty good. I love a nightshade. I love a nightshade. Better than a day shade, that's for sure. They're supposed to... Oh, wait. It's supposed to increase inflammation. Really? Right? Anyway. So, tomatoes. So, here we are. Now we've got red sauce. Now we got... Now tomatoes are just like... You don't have no idea, like, what the world would do without tomatoes. No ketchup, no burgers, no hot dogs, no spaghetti meatballs, Mm -hmm. no pizza. Yes. What else does America eat? That's it. Yeah, that's, that's that it. covers that's all it. we eat. That's all that we have. I would be devastated. A tomato is truly my number one favorite. If you know, it's like sometimes like, would you rather give up bread or butter? Like, if I had to give up a tomato, that would be for me the worst thing. Mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, of course, I could live without tomatoes, but I would be really sad about it. Well, I promised. I was on 
yesterday when we were driving to the to the roller coaster park, I made some sandwiches, just some egg sandwiches. Mm-hmm. And I put tomato because I have all these tomatoes because mm-hmm. I come to the market and I put sliced tomatoes on mine, but not Preston's. And then he goes, well, how come I didn't get tomatoes? I'm like, you don't like raw tomatoes. He's like, oh, God. He's like, do you know how many times I have to tell you I like tomatoes? And I thought, well, every time I've added fresh tomato, he takes them out. He's like, well, no, if they're sliced thin enough, then I like them. And I said, well, wait, so you take them out of salads when it, but. He takes it out a tomato out of a salad? Like, he won't eat, like, a... If it's sliced in a certain way. What about a cherry tomato? Doesn't like him. <gasps> I know. Preston, so. if you're listening, I'm but, gassed. But he likes them cooked. So yeah. do you understand... My cousin is the same way. Yeah, so Chef recommends here, what, what, is a, what is a cook supposed to do? Like, oh, I like... So I have to have a specific guideline now. Mm-hmm. It's turning into a Google document. Sure. Of when and if, and I have to have diagrams and pictures, <laughs> knives, <laughs> the different kinds of knives I have to use... <laughs> That serrated won't do on that green zebra. No, thank you. That <laughs> one's golden. Yes, golden pear heirloom variety potentially. Potentially, yeah. yeah. On Monday, Wednesdays, Fridays, not Thursdays and Sundays. <laughs> <laughs> I love a tomato. I actually, <clears throat> when I was very young, the only thing that I used to not like sometimes was the gooey seed part. Sometimes I've heard of that. I would take that out. I heard that people. Now I love it. It's kind of slimy. It's slimy. Now I just get a. I just ask. Um. Yes. Can I just have a lump of a bowl of gooey lumps of seeds? I'll take just the gooey seed part. So tomatoes are classified as a berry, so therefore it makes them a fruit, not oh, a vegetable. A berry, yes, a oh. berry. Uh, and apparently they mostly were yellowish or orangish, probably uh-huh. in South sure. America. And then, of course, they've, you know, there's so much. That, then let's get we can get to the subject of what's an heirloom tomato versus a non heirloom tomato. And nowadays, you see heirloom tomatoes in January at walmart yes so what so how is what is a consumer supposed to think heirloom tomato is just like about the seed right basically right exactly these were just varieties that have been spliced and 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 tinkered with not genetically modified Mm -hmm. they did sell genetically modified uh, tomatoes for a little while in the u.s and now they don't really yeah although that's what they tell us yeah so how are who should we believe stop and shop i mean i saw a tomato with mustache and glass a groucho mustache and glasses and upside down hand hand glasses (laughs) the other day that wasn't gmo (laughs) was it delicious (laughs) i loved it loved it i put it Uh, on blt oh every bite uh so uh the tomato plant of course grows in a wide variety of climates but it does do well in in hot environments and of course as we know the canadians took over with their greenhouse tomatoes oh those fucking um and that was an interesting story hearing about this old italian guy that used to he was like i think i can grow some tomatoes he went to holland Uh uh-huh and saw their greenhouses was like well we can do this in canada he's like a and now canada dominates the the tomato market. Are you serious? And they give us more tomatoes than we give them Canada, vegetables. Canada, that's nice of you. It is really nice. Thank you, Canada. Yeah. That's sweet. Wow, sweet like it says summer sweet ripened like tomato. A, <laughs> like a summer ripened cherry tomato. So, of course, there are, tomato is such a wonderful, wonderful uh, f- fruit, vegetable, whatever you want to call it, because it is just so diverse. Yeah. And you can eat it raw, and when you cook it, it has... They say it adds a lot of umami flavor, right? Mm-hmm. You can add tomato to a stock. You can brown it to make it yeah. to have just a wonderful flavor. Anyway. Show I, me I can, what you can't do with a tomato. Show me what you can't do with a tomato. You can shave with it. You yeah. can put it in your hair. You, you can, can smoke a ball with it. Yeah. Do you ever... <laughs> yeah. It gets a little wet. Sure. But, that's a yeah. wet... That is a wet If one. you use a tomato torch, then it works. Yes. Perfect. I'm, well... I'm impressed. <laughs> and I'm hungry. Should we take a small breaky break? And then Here I'm going to tell you a little story. Exactly. <laughs> Smoke them you got them out of your tomato bowls. That's right. We'll be back after these messages. 
This episode is brought to you by Cart Driver, Denver's home for wood-fired pizzas, fresh oysters, seasonal market plates, cocktails, and conversation. Tucked in a 640-square-foot shipping container space in the heart of Denver's Rhino neighborhood, Cart Driver is the perfect place to stop in for an Italian-style spritz, Prosecco on tap, and a wide variety of tinned fish. Open for lunch, dinner, community hour, and late night seven days a week, Cart Driver is here for you with fresh, domestically sourced ingredients, and above all, hospitality. Learn more at cart-driver.com. Right, welcome back, everybody, from an exciting message from Cart Driver. I used to go there a lot when I lived in Denver. That's amazing. I still go there. You spent a night there one week. Yeah, great happy hour, Fun. early and nighttime. So, Zara, what do you have about? We are talking about tomatoes. We're talking tomatoes. We're talking about. Let's give them something to talk, talk about. about tomatoes. Tomato. <laughs> All right. So, what do you okay. got? So listen, I had a couple things I was going to talk about. To be honest, I actually had a little bit more of I a don't hard like honesty. time to, I want less. Uh, well, then I will tell you I had a very easy time finding a story about okay. tomatoes oh, that fit <laughs> with what I like to talk about. So a couple things I was going to talk about. One was fried green tomatoes. I kind of mm. hit a dead end. The movie or the... Well, I was going to talk about the history of the fried green tomato and its rich southern roots. And then I found out it actually didn't become popular into the South, in the South until the movie. Until Instagram. Well, no, <laughs> until 1992. <laughs> yeah. Um, when they made the movie, but before that, Wait, the it, movie's from 1982. 92. Oh, oh God, I thought. Um, it was... no, no. Uh, 1992. Uh, I I was surprised to hear that actually fried green tomatoes were more of a Midwestern thing. Mm-hmm. Never really so popular. Yeah, in we the had South. a lot of green tomato stuff growing up. Did you? Yeah, so many tomatoes. Oh, what, this is a funny tasting apple. <laughs> oh, wait a second. I thought I was having a Granny Smith. And <laughs> oh, turns out it's an unripe Cherokee purple. <laughs> um, and then I had thought of doing the history of Tomatina. Is that how you pronounce it? Tomatina? I think so. The tomato throwing festival in uh, Spain. Oh, yes, Whenever of course. Pelts yes. each other with tomatoes, which they tried doing in Canada, and it turned terrible, and people had to go to the hospital. They used green rock hard exactly. tomatoes from the hydroponic gardens. <laughs> Yeah, so they didn't quite get it. Sorry, Canada. Um, Brett and I have a question for you. Is it a joke? Maybe. Oh, okay. Uh, sure. Shoot. Why did the tomato blush? Uh, why? Because he saw the salad dressing. Oh, my God. Isn't that cute, yeah, that is very cute. I have one more. <clears throat> why did the tomato go out with a prune? Uh, I can't answer that question. Because he couldn't find a date. <laughs> oh, cute jokes about food. I love them. Okay, listen. I'm going to take you back to the year 1857. God, Picture it. James Buchanan is sworn in as the 15th president of the United States. Oh, American composer Jimmy. James Lloyd Pierpont composed Jingle Bells. That's right. And Queen Victoria chose Ottawa as the capital of Canada, which mm-hmm. seems to be an underwriting theme of this show. Yes, she's Canada. like, one day we will grow the <laughs> most delightful red hydroponic tomatoes and greenhouses in Ottawa and it is also the year that the first published tomato soup recipe is mentioned in Eliza Leslie's 19, uh, 1857 cookbook called the new cookery book mm, yes very original title so anyway well she didn't have a, there was a lot of cookbooks so she's like I'll just make this I'll one up and this muckery cookery um, okay moving up to the year 1869 a fruit merchant named Joseph Campbell Hmm. And an ice box manufacturer named 
Abraham Anderson start the Abraham and Anderson. I'm sorry. The Anderson and Campbell Preserve Company in Camden, New Jersey. Right there, New Jersey. Right there. In 1877, Joseph Campbell buys out Anderson's share. Like, Get out of here. I'm- Get out of here, Anderson. Uh, I got a plan for this company. It's just else. me, Campbell. Wait till I meet Wait till Andy Warhol arrives. <laughs> so Campbell starts Campbell Soups. Um, and their biggest seller right from the get was a ready-to-serve beefsteak tomato soup. And oh. it became, yeah, their best seller. So um, a year later, okay. So the original labels for Campbell's Soup uh, were created in 1897 and were originally orange and blue. And then a year later, they changed to red and white after Hebron Williams, the company's treasurer and general manager, saw a University of Pennsylvania versus Cornell football game, and he liked their outfits, so he changed it to red and white. Really? Yeah. Huh. Yeah, I know. I thought it was pretty interesting. So anyway, we're going to move up to 1894, and Joseph Campbell retires, and he gives the company over to a man named Arthur Dorrance, who took over as the president, and Dorrance's nephew named John Dorrance, who was a chemistry major and had a a PhD from MIT, decided that he was, he realized that they were wasting a lot of money in the shipping costs, Mm -hmm. and that was mainly from water. So he developed a a way to condense the soup. That is so smart. Exactly. Now this guy who- That seems obvious, right? Yes, water. To you and I. It's obvious. Oh, hey, just cook the water out and then- Get that water out of there. So it was pretty interesting. Um, and he was making $7.50 a week. Now, just to compare that to the fact that... That uh, sounds like a lot for back then. Right. Well, a Warhol painting of tomato soup can sold for $11.7 million. Okay. So, so it pays to... Very interesting. Pays just to, wait it out. Play the long uh, game. <laughs> play the long game. Become an artist. <laughs> it will um, lay off. He had to bring his very own equipment to the lab. It was like pretty bare bones. So anyway, Dorrance realized that if he took the water out, he could reduce the price of soup from 30 cents a can to 10 cents a can. So that was a pretty big deal. But you know what? That was in like the turn of the century. And nowadays, it's with inflation, it's actually only gone up to like 90 cents a can. Well, maybe it was more, I don't know. I suppose back then you couldn't just go to your local deli and yeah. Whole Foods and get a bunch of tomatoes in the middle, you know? Right. Um, okay, so this was always like a product for people trying to save a little bit of money. The company was trying to save money. People are trying to save money by eating it. It's a de- In the Depression era, then it becomes extremely popular, and people start developing a recipe for something known as, now I know you're a little bit nauseous today. What? Tomato soup cake. Oh, no, I've read about that. Okay, it's a spice cake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes, MFK Fisher wrote about it, our homegirl, and sometimes referred to as mystery cake because people didn't want to tell the guests what was really in the cake. And it first started coming out in cookbooks in the 20s and 30s. So, yeah, Depression Era cakes. I kind of wish we would have made one. I was going to make one, but then I was like, then you just couldn't get, yeah, (laughs) really want, if all the things I'm going to make. Let's take a picture of one. Okay. That's on the It's a terrible color. To yeah. be completely honest it like, with you. Like pale melon. Yes. It's pink, a pale, pale red. Yeah. yeah. More of like an orange. It's a disturbing color. Um, like in the box of crowns, it would be exactly salmon or something. So then Campbell's Soup came out with their own recipe for it. And some people make it kind of like a steamed pudding and some people make it like a cake. So they came up with their own recipe and they instant all- <laughs> instant pot users. You hear that? Exa- steamed pudding. Just steam it in your instant pot. Um, so, and then they also came out with a cream cheese frosting recipe for it, which is made from Campbell's cheddar soup. 
Oh. Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> that part was uh, a joke. Oh, oh. <laughs> that was a, that I was, was like, where now that to sounds, laugh. <laughs> now that's right up my alley. Mmm. <laughs> cheddar cheese frosting. So anyway, I also want to tell you a little bit about the pairing of grilled cheese and tomato soup. So in World War II, in the same time period. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was dep- curious how Depression this era. Well, I guess post-depression, but World War II. Um, uh, I guess like you had to have a certain amount of calcium in school lunches. So also the teachers had to make the lunch. Wow. Right. Teachers really had to... Right, teachers... Ba- picture it. 1940. Waiters had to toss <laughs> salads at tables and flambe ducks, and <laughs> teachers had to make the... Oh, it makes sense, you know? I know. So they made the lunches, and they had to have a certain amount of calcium, so that's kind of where, like, grilled cheese and tomato soup comes into play. I think that sounds like a really unreasonable amount of work for teachers, but whatever. They did it. Um. So, yeah, they started serving in school. So, and then, then fast forward, in the spring of 1962, a gentleman by the name of Andy Warhol has been working on new renditions of ads and comic strips when he saw Lichtenstein's comic strip paintings at the Leo Castile, Leo Castelli Gallery. Um, and he started looking for suggestions from friends of things to paint, and someone suggested that he paint something really recognizable. At the time, one of the most recognizable things was the Campbell Soup cans so he obviously we all know yada 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 became mm, very famous yeah. got shot then unfortunately died of what did he die of like something else not being shot cancer i don't remember I'm being too bad. fabulous yeah, yeah, sorry he was too fabulous for life so reflecting on his career quote Warhol claimed that campbell soup can was his favorite work that he had ever done and he should have just done the campbell soup and kept on doing them because everybody only does one painting anyway hmm yeah and I have to say, I love Campbell's tomato soup. I actually grew up on it, and I freaking love it with water and not milk. Okay, so I believe when I was younger, I tried it. Mm-hmm. A lot of Campbell's soups we had, and I didn't like it. I think we've talked about this mm-hmm. before. I didn't like it, but I did start to add some heavy cream into it, mm-hmm. and then it improved it a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then I used to just, I don't know what. I had we, we had lots of garden. We had a huge garden growing up. So then yeah. I was like, well, why don't we just use our own tomatoes? Sure. But of course, back then, I didn't really understand that you had to like, get the, 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 the seeds out. Yeah, it's a lot but of But one of my very first gifts was one of those tomato strainers Ooh. that I got from the back of a catalog where you crank it. Fun. And I, that was like the first time I made I was like, well, wait a second. Yeah. Do you like other tomato soups? I do. I love tomato okay. soup. I love, you know, I have to say... Not that I'm projecting my own personal preferences here Why on would the radio, you? but uh, I like a chunkier tomato soup. Oh, really? So like a marinara? I sauce. almost like the marinara. It's like like a vodka sauce. Like a vodka sauce. <laughs> yeah. And why can't that be soup? I would if you puree vodka sauce and add like a little bit of stock to it. It is and tomato a butter, soup. heavy cream. There you go. It's the same thing. But a boom. Some vodka. In fact, you could just leave out all the rest of that and just have <laughs> and just vodka. have vodka and tomato and boom, yeah. brunch is served. Perfect. Bloody Marys. Exactly. <laughs> Bloody Marys go straight to dinner. Ooh, I used to say that the poor man's Bloody Mary was just ketchup and vodka. Yeah. And by poor man, I mean me, because this is when I was like 20 years old and making $12,000 a year. (laughs) That was my actual salary. Well, that's probably what I made this year so far. Yet somehow I've been to Europe twice Uh, on business class. That's the whole essence of Life's a Banquet, isn't it? Exactly. It's basically just about your life and how you... Oh, Amelia Hall. Oh, there's a special guest. It's a a bread baker. Something you guys might not know about Heritage Radio is that there we're in the studio at Roberta's Pizza, mm. and there's a clear window, so you can kind of look out into the dining room and see all sorts of folks, friends, bakers, tons chefs. of weirdos, yes. lots of creeps. And they're looking at us. They're Freaks like, and geeks. Like, look at those crazy people in the window. So, tomatoes, I believe this takes us to our time of the show where we talk about 
chef. <laughs> we're, we vomit I had a into tomato. the microphone. I've just vomited into the microphone. I did have a tomato today. <laughs> chef, chef recommends. recommends. Now, Zara, what do you... We haven't discussed this, so this is going to be off the cuff. Perfect. Uh, yeah, it's real. Bring it on. Challenge. Come on. Stump me. <laughs> chef recommends. Okay. Uh, chef, what do you recommend uh, for unique ways uh, to prepare tomatoes? Or maybe something slightly... Oh, Zara's little twist. Oh, Zara's little twist to twist. Um, okay. Well, I'm going to go with one that I used a lot at my former restaurant, Brucey. And it actually, we developed a recipe that became something was one of the only things we kept on the menu all the time, oh, which yes, was a tomato, tomato butter. butter yeah. I um, can't believe you're going to divulge the secret. I'm going to tell you guys about how to make tomato butter. I'm not going to give you the exact proportions, of course. Yeah, yeah. Huh. So you can make anything into a compound butter. But here's the thing with tomatoes. There's a lot of water. Mm-hmm. And butter is obviously fat. So if you try to make a compound butter out of just whipping tomatoes and butter together, it does separate. It separates, yeah, yeah. right? Yep. It's tough. So you have to kind of figure out how to really get it going. Now, the first thing that I'll say is you have to use a piece of equipment that really works. If you try to just go ahead and do this straight up in your food processor, it's going to be really difficult. Secondly, I realized you have to add kind of an emulsifier. So I thought the best emulsifier for this was a pecorino cheese or mm-hmm. a Parmesan cheese. Pecorino softer, though. So lots That's of pecorino true. cheese. Good call. Good call. Yeah. Um, and then we would put some heavy cream in it too. Drizzle that in. Yep, that helps. And if you blend it for enough time, it emulsifies. And you used a Vitamix? We used a Vitamix. Okay. Yep, but you can also use an immersion blender. Oh, that's you right. You can yeah, also yeah. use your... You're, you're right. You had used an immersion blender yeah, sometimes, right? you can use your food processor. That's, that's fine. True. You just have to have everything be soft. Okay. Um, and it might take... A, and it takes longer than you would think. And it's delicious. So basically, the rough outline of what the Brucey tomato butter would be was soft butter... Heavy cream, pecorino cream, cheese, pecorino cheese, San Marzano tomatoes. Mm-hmm. Do you drain them? Uh, we would drain them, yes. Okay, drained. Drained San Marzano. Not not like crazy. I mean, just like don't use too much of the reserved saucy part. Um, garlic, lemon zest, and fresh thyme. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, that's my tip. I think it's delicious. And didn't you say later, as you learn to make this throughout the years, you said, why not just use a little tomato paste? Because that yeah. kind of... Yep, you can absolutely sub with tomato paste. It's not going to be quite as... It's not as good. It's different. Delicious, um, but it'll kind of do the trick. So I recommend using regular San Marzano tomatoes and not a fresh tomato. That will not work. Fresh tomatoes And it must be a canned tomato. Mm-hmm. Yes, must absolutely. Be fully cooked. Yeah. Well, I recommend... The very first time I really learned to use tomatoes in a slightly different way, I guess, was in... Ah, yes, picture it. I was in Spain. I knew you were going to say that. Yes, I was in Spain. As a foreign exchange student, I was in the South, and they had this... uh, This woman had this garden, my host mother, and she would boil the tomatoes, blanch them. Or not boil them, but, you know, blanch them really quickly to get the skins off. Yeah. And then she would, I think, grate them or just somehow maybe chop them into pieces that's what she would do. And then make like the classic, they call it tomate frito, the tomate frito, mm-hmm. which is the Spanish style. So it's like a marinara. Yeah. Except you cook down a bunch of garlic and onions. It's and like a, a lot more olive oil, a right? A lot more olive oil. Yeah. And then you cook that down with that tomatoes for kind of a long time. And you, they don't, they start to get darker, right? Mm-hmm. And that's when you get that really yeah. rich, wonderful flavor. Yeah. And then you can immersion blender that a little bit. And that is when I brought that, when I brought that back to America, when I was 15, 16, I was like, <laughs> I was like, wait till you guys try this sauce. And people used to be like, "What? Well, like, I don't understand. What are you doing?" But it was the it was the whole like the technique that yeah. yielded the flavor. Sure. And still to this day, I love it, and I keep and it's bet that is something you want to have fresh tomatoes with. Yes. I used to make it with canned tomatoes, and it wasn't as good. 
Huh. Because I think something cooking the fresh tomato, you can, you can, it works. Yeah. It's still delicious. But. I think that there's a time for a fresh tomato sauce and a time for a canned tomato sauce. And you can definitely tell the difference. Absolutely. For sure. 100%. Um, I mean, and I think like, uh, I think making tomato, using tomatoes, like at the end of the season, there's a lot of tomatoes, like in September and they're basically giving them away at a certain point at the farmer's uh, yes, market. Yes, exactly. Get buy, the more you buy, the bigger you save. Yeah, buy a bunch, make some sauce, put it in your freezer, and you can get creative with it too. Making like a tomato broth, like a tomato stock is fun. Um, I don't know. I always like to have them on hand and make a salsa with anything else that you have. So like throw a tomato and a peach and some jalapenos and some lime. And The other favorite thing that I, that I have been doing as of late is the classic where you take those, the Roma tomatoes mm-hmm. or like the sauce tomatoes, the plum tomatoes, and you slice them relatively thin, mm-hmm. sprinkle them with some herbs, maybe some thyme, some thinly sliced garlic, and then you almost slow cook them at like yes. 200 degrees. Delicious. And you can do sheets of those, and they will shrink down. Yep, little babies. And then you put those in plastic gallons of block bags and put them in the freezer. In the heart of winter, you pull that out, and you get that wonderful summer tomato flavor. Yeah, it's amazing. Highly chef recommends. Oh, recommend. So what are our favorite things with tomatoes? I want to say oh. for top three this week, I had to pick five. Okay. I went through it before. I've already written it down. All right. Well, I have 13. So you do? Should we just say 13. all of our favorite things with tomatoes? Well, let's just do a top three. And then, God damn and it. Then you okay. can add. You can add. Fine. Should uh, I start? Go ahead, since you have five. Great. All right. My top <laughs> okay. three plus it can't two. Include, it can't be pizza. <laughs> it's not. Okay. Okay. My top three plus two. And this is not. A tomato is, as I mentioned, my favorite food. Yes, yes. Number five, Bloody Mary. Okay. Okay. Number Obvious. four, caprese salad. Okay. All right. You're right. You need Delicious. to have five. Classic. Number three, ketchup. Okay. Number two, tomato sandwich on white bread with either goat cheese or tomato mayo okay. on white yeah, bread, yeah, yeah, yeah. salt and pepper. I mean, that's just really fabulous. And number one, marinara sauce. Okay. I love marinara I mean, sauce. It's the best. You'd be a fool not to like it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, folks. My top three, as if there's not top 17 because this will change, but that's okay. But number three, I love a tomato tart. Ooh, or me like, a, too. like a either on puff pastry, yeah. you can use pie. It doesn't matter. Make a galette. Who that's cares? Good stuff. You can that's use good stuff. That's good eating. Tomatoes, yeah. Mm-hmm. Tomato tart. Uh, number two, I would have to say, is along the same veins as you, I love a BLT. Ugh. And I it, I like it on a nice kind of like a sourdough bread or or sometimes just like a like a soft potato loaf Love kind it. of a bread. But Have you ever had the one at Frankie's? Their BLT? No. It's the best thing they make. What's there, on by it? By far and away, <laughs> it's that thin Sullivan Street. <laughs> What's on yeah. it? Well, well it's nice. bacon, lettuce. <laughs> You'll and never believe friend. it. Um, they have this really good bread. I think it's Sullivan Street Bakery, and it's like very thin, mm. crispy, almost like kind of like a focaccia, but not really. Okay. Lots and lots of mayonnaise. Thick, perfectly cut, cooked, cut bacon, and just tomato and lettuce. But it's just great. They just make a really good one. And um, it's hot, really greasy and delicious. Hot gossip. I heard that Frankie's is partnering with Chad Robins, Robertson of Tartine to open a pizza place next door. Oh, my God. Chad Robertson and the guy from Pizza Bianco in Phoenix, which is that other famous pizza oh, yeah. guy. The three of them, those three Where's partners. Bianco? Uh, I don't I think that's him. His name is not, it's something else, but his, cool. it's called Pizza Ray Bianco. I'm going to call him Chris Bianco. Yeah, Chris Bianco. Pizza, that's hey, his pizza new Bianco name. guy. Your new, your new name <laughs> so is. So anyway, that's hot if you're living oh, in New York. Oh, that is hot, country. blazing hot It's supposed hot to be naturally fermented, uh, freshly milled flour every two weeks. They're going to freshly mill their flour. Well, that's going to be like a really cool, and it's going to be a slice joint. That's hot. I love it's it. It's real hot. Where? On, by my house on Court Street? Between the two spaces next to Black and Gold Records. So excited. Can't wait. And finally, folks, my number one tomato. Uh, my favorite 
form of tomatoes would have to be. I mean, I have to say the tomato sauce that I just talked about. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know, that's ding so boring. Dong. No, tomato Actually, sauce is no. great. My favorite thing is a slice of tomato, whatever kind, that has to come freshly picked from the garden while sure. it's still warmed in the sun, Yum. sliced and eaten. I mean, just like eaten right away with a, maybe with a piece of toast. Sure. I don't want to, I don't want to pull a pan con tomate kind of a thing, oh, but that's one but, of my other favorites. Yeah. Pan con tomate. And you, and specifically you got to grate the tomatoes. Mm-hmm. That's how they do it there. Yum. What a about, different texture. How about, um, I'm just trying to think of some of my other very favorite tomato things. Uh, oh, a stuffed tomato. Stuffed tomato. A stuffed tomato. Those roasted cherry tomatoes I love. Roasted cherry tomatoes. We didn't even talk about Gaspacho. that. Gazpacho. <gasps> Salsa. Gazpacho. What? T- tomato. Yeah, yeah. Pico de gallo. There's so many things. Oh, pico roasted de tomato gallo. Roasted tomato salsa. Ooh, tomato. Tomato con cas. You know what I don't love? Oh, Say, I just actually heard some other hot goss while I was up talking with the girls. Uh the girls, the women who run this station. Yeah, that was like the girls. I just call them the girls. Anyway, they were telling me that David Chang posted something today on Twitter saying that he likes um, a BLT with a hothouse tomato better than a nice big slice of fresh summer tomato. Okay. And a people Canadian are, tomato. People are going crazy about it. Everybody can have their own opinion. Totally. What do you think? You know, I grew up with a wonderful garden and my favorites were the ones that I had. By the way... Really quickly, if you're talking about uh, heirloom tomatoes, do you remember last week, since all of you listeners are dedicated, and I talked about Seed Savers, mm-hmm. seedsavers.org, I believe it is, or .net, uh, you can Google it, and you can get all these uh, heirloom seeds on there. That's amazing. And so, anyway, that's another, op- I mean, of course, there's tons of, of sources you can buy heirloom seeds from now, but those yeah. are some that people have brought back or saved, or so then you get some unique varieties. There are thousands of varieties. That's amazing. I actually just made that up. But it seems like there's thousands. <laughs> it does. What's your favorite kind of heirloom tomato? Mm, I do love that. Uh, I can't remember the name of it. It's like a German. It's yellow and orangish. Goldschlager. Good, yeah, Goldschlager. Love a shot of Goldschlager. <laughs> and I also love green zebras. Oh, yeah. Those are cute. I don't know. They they do They're taste. Fun. They are fun. They're delicious. I like a brandy wine. Brandy wine's classic also the name of the nursing home my grandmother was in at the end of her life brandywine wow yeah. great name for if, was, <laughs> if you're looking for a great name for a nursing home i yeah. got just the name it for was you. made of tomatoes the whole building was tomato beds tomato blankets tomato wheelchairs they <laughs> ate tomatoes the nurses were all giant tomatoes it was wow. crazy it was weird <laughs> yeah very strange nursing home it was very very odd what do you have going on for this week are you gonna make something in tomato you're gonna run home and tomato it up no, I, you know, I got the classics. I did have a bunch of long poblano peppers that were really long. Mm. And I just, I've been, every day I've had them for four days and I'm, and I want to make sure that I make them because I know what I do. I, mm-hmm. I really am like, oh, I don't know. Should I do that? And then suddenly they start to go and then yeah. I'm like, oh, and I to just like cook them down into a sauce. So I think I'm going to stuff them and fry them. Nice. Well, I wouldn't, you know, why wouldn't you? But they're kind of long. They're a good six inches. Oh, ladies. well, that does sound like a good size pepper. I mean, six to eight. Depending oh, on the I, I like an eight inch pepper better yeah. than six, but you know, six will do. Uh, you know, they vary. And what about <laughs> you? What, what do you have? Any other exciting plans coming up? Um, I think that Becky and Adam are going to come over for dinner tomorrow night. 
who everybody <laughs> obviously well, <folks>. knows. <laughs> who doesn't I'm, love a Beckin and Adam? I'm telling you that because I have a plan to make something very special. I found, um, I have a friend who really thinks baby corn is cute and doesn't exist. And so I found them at the farmer's market the they other day. They don't think that baby corn exists. Yeah. He's like, oh, they're just like, must be like genetically modified or made in a lab. I'm like, no, they really exist. And I found them at the farmer's market this week. And so I bought them to show him. But, um, Anyway, I don't know if he's going to be able to make it, but Becky and Adam are going to come over and I'm going to make them baby corn. Baby corn. Yeah. We're It'll gonna be have... a feast to remember. Yeah. We're, I'm going to make three <laughs> baby corn. Everybody gets three baby corn. Uh, eight ball of cocaine and that's it. I'm stuffed. I can't fit another bite in. All right. Let's well, get the hell listen. out of here. Let's... <clears throat> I'm going to go make some tomato sauce. Brent's going to puke because of motion sickness. Motion sickness. Listen, props to you. You really pulled it together. He walked in the studio and was like, I've never really seen you like that. You look like legitimately like I don't feel, yeah, I feel sick. But you really pulled it together. I think it was the two tomatoes I ate right before I got here. You're very funny. You were very silly. I loved all your tomato knowledge and uh, I can't wait to uh, hear more about it off air. Folks, listen. If this hasn't inspired you to go make a tomato tart or a BLT, get off your butt right now, pull those plugs out, and start slicing and chopping and <laughs> roasting. All right? Okay. We'll see you next week. Hasta la pasta. Ciao. Bye. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.